to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Thessalonians chapter 5. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the rapture of the church. We've talked about the first letter to the Thessalonians. We remember Paul is writing this letter to a church that he's warning them about the influence of the world around him. He's warning them about different doctrines that come into the church. The Epicureans had, had come into the church and begun to spread their, their fallacy within the church, but because everybody around them accepted it, the world outside of the four walls of the church or wherever it was that they were meeting, probably a house, outside of that area, it might be a lifestyle that would be accepted. And that began to creep into the church. And Paul began to warn the Thessalonians. And he also was warning. He said, hey, also share this letter with the Laodiceans. And you remember we talk about that. We understand that up in the, the uh, third chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus, he kind of rebukes the church of Laodicea. And I, I look back at this these letters to the Thessalonians that were meant also for the church of Laodicea as a failure. There's a, there was a disconnect. Paul sent a letter to warn them not to get caught up. And Jesus later on says, well, you did just that. You became very lukewarm. You started off strong. You started off hot, but then you became lukewarm. That's a sick church. That's a sick individual as a Christian. It's hard for you and I to live in the church and us to also live in the world. I remember there was a, a fellow that I helped to get into a Bible college. And uh, the Bible college that I came from out in California, Calvary Chapel Bible College. And I, I had the ability to to accept people. I was part of the registrars. And so I, I had the ability to look at these things and accept people in and reject, you know, different people that were trying to come in. One of the guys that, that came in, I helped him fill out his application because he just didn't really know much about the Lord. If any of you guys, I hope you, you don't, but you know, there's a, a book out there called the Satanic, you know, Bible, which was written by Anton LaVey. And if you ever see a picture of Anton LaVey, that, this guy looked like his kid. Um, and, and I mean, he, he looked just like him and wispy little, you know, pointy beard, you know, that, that devil looking guy, you know, that we have this picture, you know, in our head. That's what Anton LaVey looked like, you know, black hair, you know, pointy little beard, wispy mustache, you know, he, you know, and, and he just looked the part, you know, the satanic Bible is just a really, really ridiculous writing. I mean, it, the, the, the grammar is absolutely horrible. And yet people jumped on that bandwagon for a long time. Grammar was absolutely horrible. But this fella, Alex was his name, uh, I helped him to fill out his Bible application in order to get him into the college. You know, I kind of helped him and gave him a lot of the answers. And it was at a time when I was leaving I had already put in my notice. I was, I was going to be leaving. I was going to be going to Fort Lauderdale and, and, uh, and, uh, I didn't really know I was going to go to, that's a whole other story. I was, I was leaving the Bible college. 
I put my notice in. My mentor, Larry Taylor, you know, uh, I said, hey, Larry, I, it's time for me to go. Got to go. And, you know, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Bob Davis, you know, it's hard thing for me. I just hear from Bob today. I talked to Bob probably three times a week, four times a week. And I'm leaving my ba- one of my best friends out there, you know, and, and a lot of friendships. I'm, I'm leaving there. And these guys were all, you know, teachers and directors at the Bible college and, and, uh, I put, I slipped Alex in to the, to the, to the Bible college. And when he got there, he's got tat- tattoos all over him, you know, he's got piercings all over, you know, he had, you know, chains from his ears to his nose, you know, and he just looked mean, you know, and, and he came in and he had that little wispy and he looked and he, he's pretty imposing. He's about six foot four. And it just a scary looking individual. I said, okay, yep, you're accepted in Calvary Chapel Bible College. I'm out of here, you know? So I accepted him in, and Bob and Larry go, what did you do? He needs to get saved, guys. And, you know, God's got a plan for that guy's life. See ya, I'm out. And, uh, they, we joked around that, about that. But here's the thing, Alex got saved. He ended up getting saved his first semester. I, I just, I knew that, that God was gonna do a work in his life. And he got saved that first semester. But, he was having a hard time letting go of, of his, of his former life. And the thing was, is that he was sneaking down the hill. This was back when we were still up in Twin Peaks, California, up in the mountains. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a cool thing where the Bible college was up in the mountains. So you drive up into this, you know, the majestic mountains of California, you know, and you'd go up there. And when you go back down into the valley, you'd go down into the world. And so it was like, Heaven, earth, you know, and it was just wild. But Alex would go down into the town and and he'd try to live his old life after he became a Christian. And then he tried to live his Christian life when he was around the Bible college. And he ended up calling his mom and and his mom, Norma, who was actually in Lynette's and my wedding. He called Norma, his mom, and said, Mama, listen, I am struggling so much. I am trying... I'm trying to live in both the world and here at the, at the Bible college and I can't be happy in either one. I can't, I can't find happiness in the world because I know too much about the Lord and I know that what I'm doing down there isn't right. And then I come up here and I can't really completely and totally worship well because I know what I'm planning to do later on. And so I'm, I'm really struggling. I don't, I don't, I don't have any happiness in my life. And and therein lies, in a very graphic means, our own it's it's a painting a picture of yours and my life. If you're if you're struggling in the church, if you're struggling in your walk with the Lord, is it that you've got too much of yourself in the world? Do you have any of yourself in the world? I'm not having any fun in the world. Well, is it because you're living in the world, but yet you're declaring yourself as a Christian walking with Jesus? And Paul was trying to talk to the Thessalonians. He's trying to talk to the Laodiceans and say, watch out, guys, this is creeping in and it's going to destroy your walk with God. It's going to destroy the church. It's going to destroy your walk with the Lord. You've heard me say it before, you know, Greg Laurie used to say, you know, uh, you know, that there's a lot of mugwump Christians, you know, mugwump Christians. You got your mug on one side of the fence and your wump on the other side. 
You're living in the world and you're living in, in, in the church or you're living in the Lord. And the thing is, you can't be happy in either way, either place, because your life is a mess. My life's a mess. Pick a place. Choose this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? I hope and pray that you serve the Lord. Paul is mentioning this. He's saying, guys, watch out. It's creeping in. I, I, I've now warned you every single time we've, we've gone into chapter four and chapter five of, the, of first Thessalonians that, and actually even more so as I've gone through, you know, Kevin did, I think, what did he do? He, he did two and three. You know, I think I did one. He did two and three, but we've been warning. And encouraging you to to allow your walk to mirror what the Word of God's calling, and, and and be careful not to be sucked into what the world is saying. It's okay. It's crept into the church. There's a lot of churches out there that say, "Hey, it's okay. Our culture demands it. Our culture accepts it. So therefore, we as Christians we accept it." That never happens. Culture never never changes the word of God. Culture never supersedes the word of God. Accepted culture and society never supersedes what God's word says. If you see a a conflict between what the world is doing and what the word of God says, someone's wrong and it's, it's not the word of God. It's the world. And that's where it's going to be a little bit more difficult and more difficult and more difficult as we continue to move forward in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, that the world has crept so much into the church. Jesus talked about a mustard seed. He said that mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, but it, it grew up into a huge, huge tree. You plant this small mustard seed representing the faith, representing the church. And it grew up into this huge tree. And the birds came and nested in its branches. And if you look at that, you you go, well, that's kind of a cool little thing, God. You know, Jesus was talking about how the church is just going to get real big and how it's going to get real, you know, really large. That's a really cool thing because a mustard seed never grows into a tree. And Jesus is saying, it's going to be a supernatural growth. It's going to be this huge growth. But he also says that the birds came and nested in the branches. And if you look at the types that we look at all through his parables, the bird represents none other than the evil one, Satan. Remember the four seeds that the sower went out to sow the four seeds? Remember the seed that fell upon the the uh, path? Because there was no soil there. It was just on the path. What happened? The bird came and snatched the seed away, right? It's a word. Took the, took the word away. It took, took God's word away. The enemy is none other than, than, than the bird in this. And so Jesus, he says that this little tiny mustard seed grew into this supernatural tree and then birds came and nested in its branches. And so the idea is, is that the church might be huge. The church might, you might have a huge monstrosity of a church, but are there birds nesting in the branches? It, we gotta be careful. You can't just hear it from a pulpit. Yeah, you know, hey, you got, you're a small church. How are you saying anything like this? Listen, 
don't listen to me. Go back to the word of God and see what the word of God says. That's all I'm, that's all I'm trying to encourage you to do. Don't ever get fooled by the size of a church. Remember Larnell Harris, who I love his music. But man, I got, it made me sick of a song that he used to sing. Song about living his life as a Christian. Living his life as, according to the Lord. He says, I know that this life that I'm living, I know that this life that I'm living is right because there are so many people living this life. And how can so many people be wrong? I'm thinking that's just, that's, that's actually, that's actually taking what Jesus said and turning it around. Jesus said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many there are who go that way. But narrow is the way that leads to life and few there are who go that way. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the door. No man comes to the Father except through me, the door. Only one person can go through it at a time, whereas the road to destruction is very, very wide. And so Larnell Harris sings a song, I, I know that it's right because how can so many people be wrong? I, I, I don't know. Ask the Muslims. Are they right or wrong? According to your song, they have more people in their religion than we do, so they must be right. That's not right. That's a, that's a stupid statement. It's just a stupid statement. What does the word of God say? It's the same kind of a thing with the church. You might have a huge church. I've been a part of some really, really large churches. Really large churches. You know, Calvary, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa was, I think, 32,000 at one time. Huh? Yeah. I'm not here to hammer down on any churches around here. I don't know. I don't know a lot of these churches around here, but here's the thing. I've been a part of large, large churches. Calvary, Fort Lauderdale. When I left, I think we were at 12,000, I think, when we left. I think it moved up to, got up to like 22,000. But here's the thing. Just because you're a part of a large church doesn't mean that it's right. Just as much as being a part of a small church is wrong. What is the word of God saying? Is the word of God being preached? Is the word of God being taught? Is the word of God being lived? And Paul, I think, is is warning the believers in Thessalonica and in Laodicea, be careful. Because the Epicureans have already crept into your church. And according to what Jesus said, they took root and they destroyed the church. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Just because we're small doesn't make, it, make us right. The only way we can ever be right in large church, medium church, small church, is if we are adhering to what the word of God says. And we don't explain it away. We don't try to change or manipulate the word of God in order to accept societal practices. As hard as it is, we have to do what the Word of God says. As hard as it is, we have to live the way that the Word of God tells us to live. As hard as it is, maybe in our society, we have to take stands in our own individual lives in what the Word of God says. If we don't, who are we pandering to? 
Are we pandering to the world to be accepted by the world? Or are we truly living for the audience of one, which is none other than God? Paul's warning them. He's encouraging them. He's going, come on, guys. Be faithful. Know what the word says. And know that there are those that are trying to creep in and take you captive. Take you, take you and rip you off. He then went into, and we talked about how, you know, he talked about the end times, talked about the rapture of the church. We talked last week about how Paul, you know, he, he, uh, strengthens his, his resolve on this saying, hey, listen, the rapture of the church, the tribulation that follows, the tribulation is God's wrath upon the earth that has rejected his gift, his son. When you look at Revelation chapter 6 through 19, what you'll see is that there's a lot of judgment that's coming down upon the face of the earth. We call that the tribulation. Some will split it up and they'll say, well, there's a tribulation and then there's a great tribulation, you know, and they, they try to break it in half and what have you. Understand that there's different things that happen during the tribulation, but the tribulation beginning from day one until the end of that seven year period is a time where God is doling out wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. And the point is, I believe Paul is saying, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17. God's taken us out of here before that wrath happens. Much like Noah. And the flood, I'm gonna, God delivered wrath down upon the earth with, with water and flooded the earth. What did he do? He protected Noah. He, he encased him in, in a boat and, and kept him alive. Daniel, you know, Daniel, you know, Daniel is kind of a picture, you know, I, I, I like to look at Daniel, the book of Daniel. You know, you remember Daniel and his three buddies. The names they were given, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We had a, 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 a black gospel preacher that came up and spoke at our, at our Bible college in California. Um, his name was Shadrach, Meshach, uh, uh, Lockridge was his name. He's got a, a phenomenal uh, rendition on uh, YouTube, you can pick it up called Do You Know Him? And he, he goes off, man. He hoots on that thing, man. It's pretty cool. Do you know him? And it's, it's pretty in your face. It's pretty, pretty aggressive, but it's, it's pretty cool. Um, he's, I think he's passed away now, but he came up to the Bible college, um, at one time and he said, my name is Shadrach Meshach. Lockridge, and he said, I, my name is Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge, and you're wondering why, why is my name not Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Lockridge? He goes, because Abednego sounds too much like a bad Negro, and that is not going to be my name. God has redeemed me, God has, God has saved me, and, and he went in and he talked about, you know, who, who do you say God is? And, and he had an awesome, awesome message. What an awesome guy. Here's the thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire. Went through the fire. 
That Daniel, I, I, I believe, is a picture of the church. I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were a picture of Israel. They were protected. There's a, a remnant that is going to be protected during the tribulation period. 144,000 Jews. There'll be little mini Billy Grahams, if you will, at least by the end of the tribulation, where they're going to be witnessing. And God's going to protect them. Amidst the, 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 the enemy trying to destroy them, God's going to protect those 144,000 little mini evangelists. And, and I, I look at a, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego being those that are representing Israel. But Daniel, I, I, I look at as being a picture of the church because the church is gone. The church is gone. I believe that the church leaves, is gone, is raptured, harpazoed from the church or from the earth before God's wrath comes down upon the earth. The point is, is that Paul says, don't, don't allow people to rip you off and say, hey, the resurrection has already happened. Because there will be those that will come in and say, hey, in the end times, yeah, there's some end times things, but you guys have missed it. You blew it. You blew it. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses are big on that. You know, they, they talk about the 144,000. And that, that only the 144,000 are going to go to heaven, but the others are going to, they'll be here on the earth. But, but be one of the 144,000. Well, they've already gone beyond 144,000. Now they go, oh, I, I, the 144,000 are already filled. Uh, so all you have to look forward is just eternal life here on the earth. I mean, that's it, you know. The 144,000 are, are, it's already filled up. You you just were not born in the right day and age, and, and so they'll 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 twist scripture and twist things around to make make it sound like they understand. No, the, the hundred and forty four thousand specifically are of the twelve tribes of Israel, twelve thousand each of the twelve tribes of Israel. It's Israel that we're talking about. God's going to protect them, but the tribulation is going to come down from heaven to the earth. It's not from the earth to the earth. It's not from Satan to the earth. It's from God doling out punishment. And and Paul says, God did not appoint us to that kind of wrath. Our wrath was taken care of on the cross. The wrath that was due us was taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so now when we're taken out or when we are ascending into heaven, whatever, when if we ascend into heaven in the rapture or if we die and we go to be with the Lord, we haven't missed out. We haven't missed out on God's eternity. And that's what some of those end times, you know, people came in and began to say to the Thessalonians and the Laodiceans, oh yeah, hey, you missed out. Paul says, no, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the end times and those who have fallen asleep. They didn't miss out. And you're not missing out. Know this. Comfort one another with these words. Don't be freaking out on this stuff. I want you to comfort. As a Christian, we can be comforted knowing that every single day that we get up, we know that whether we live or whether we die, we can live for the Lord and we will eventually be with Jesus. 
will be with him. It's a comfort for us. It's a comfort. Paul says, comfort one another with these words. You know, he says, and, and concerning the times and season, I don't even need to write to you, but, but I am because you need to hear this again. God didn't appoint you under wrath, but to obtain salvation. Therefore, comfort one another with these words too. Verse 9, God didn't appoint us under wrath, Verse five, chapter 5, verse 9, God didn't appoint us under wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, and that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, guys, comfort one each other and edify one another, just as, I, just as you're also doing right now. This is what's happening. I'm trying to comfort you. But know this, there are going to be, and we're going to see that here in just a second, there are going to be some that are, they just won't accept it. They have a hard time accepting it. What do we do? Do we beat them down? Well, let's look and see what Paul says. We urge you, brethren, verse uh, 12, to recognize who, those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and, and actually admonish you, which is what Paul's doing right now. Admonish means to, to warn to instruct with, with, uh, you know, uh, a direction towards escaping a consequence. He's, he's saying, minister to those guys, recognize those guys, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, but be at peace among yourselves. All right. When you got a guy that comes in, when you got a, somebody that is a Christian that doesn't just say what you want to hear, you have a, you have sisters and brothers like that in the Lord. If you have a brother or sister like that in the Lord that doesn't, that, that loves you and cares for you and is willing to say the hard things that are willing to say some hard things in your life, know this, don't ever let that person go. Don't ever forsake that kind of a friendship because that friend will say even the hard things to you. If someone will say the hard thing to you in the Lord, listen, hang on to those guys. Hang on to them. Because they, they are there to minister to you. They're there to minister. God's using them. And they love you more than to just say the things that you want to say. Facebook is just notorious for that. Somebody might say something that that is so, as a Christian, you might say something that is just, you know is not Christ-like, but then you got a lot of friends that come back in and support you on that and say, yeah, I'd do that too. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And you, and, and you feel you feel confidence building because other people accept what it is that you're saying. But... In your heart of hearts, you know this is not Christ. Be careful. It's that one that comes in and says, hey, that's a little harsh, you know, or they send you a, a, a message individually, not calling you out in front of all your friends and just say, hey, man, you sure about what you just wrote there? Because that right there is not, I, I don't see Christ in that thing, man. That's the kind of a friend you really want to have in your life. It's, it's not fun to hear someone rebuke you 
or call to your attention something that is not right with the Lord. But here's the thing. I'd rather have that than to have a bunch of yes men and yes women around me that just say yes and yes and yes because they don't want to make me feel bad. But it drives me further away. It it, it leads me further away from the Lord. Find those guys and gals in your life that are willing to speak truth. Now, I have to be careful with that. Don't be that person that you're Mr. or Mrs. Sin Sniffer. You're just, you feel, hey, it's my calling to go and call out everybody's sin. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to point out everybody's sin. Listen, that's God. I don't think God's called anybody to be the sin sniffer. Look at your own life. But be willing to lay friendships on the line, your friendship on the line with someone and say, hey, if you see someone walking down the wrong road that you are willing to say, hey, man, that's not God's, that's not God's best for you, is it? You think? What, by what basis are you doing this, man? Why, why would you say such a thing? Why would you be leading? Why would you be walking? Why would you be entering into? Why would you? And, and somebody call you on a thing. And then you be willing to go, I, okay. I hear you. And I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. And, and you, you, you make a change. And you can make a change. He says, be at peace amongst yourselves. We exhort your brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Comfort the faint-hearted is, is that, that, it's that person that, as I was talking about earlier, that no matter how much you give them confidence in the Lord, they, they struggle with the Lord. They struggle with their standing with the Lord. Regardless that, that, that God has sent His Son to die on a cross for them, that, that God loves them, that God has saved them, that God has given them a plan, a future, and a hope, and has demonstrated His unconditional love towards them, there is something in some people that are like, yeah, but I just don't think, I think that God is, I think, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I think that maybe, you know, I, I blew it there or I blew it here and, 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 and they struggle their whole life. I told, told you a couple of weeks ago how, you know, I was talking to someone recently, you know, that just couldn't accept God's blessings upon their life. They, they felt like they were just constantly being trashed down by the Lord. And so they always talked about how God was trashing their life down. But now they've repented and they, their life is doing really well right now. And the person contacted me and says, I just think that everything's going so well in my life. I think God just gave up on me and, and is just saying, okay, let this, let, let, I'm going to give this person a decent life and a good life to finish their life out because man, they're going to hell in the end. And I'm thinking, ah, God can't win with you. God has blessed you and when when things were going hard, you blamed him. When things are going good, you're blaming him. He's given me good things because he's going to send me to hell in the end. And and here's the thing. As much as in me, as you just have heard my frustration, I've been talking to this person for years. And you hear the frustration in me. That's not right. Paul, Paul's calling me out on my frustration. Paul is calling me out right now in my frustration. He's saying, hey, listen. 
Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. That faint-hearted, that's a person who, who just can't feel like they can be at peace with the Lord, that they can, they, 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 they struggle. They struggle in their, their, their life with the Lord. Paul's saying, hey, comfort them. Don't grow weary in comforting people in the Lord. Don, I'm going to point all my fingers at me. Don't, don't get frustrated when someone struggles with that. Moses got frustrated, didn't he? Kind of blew it for him, didn't he? God said to Moses, hey, go strike the rock and, and water will come out. The people will, will drink from it. And so he goes and strikes the rock and water comes out because the children of Israel, they were, you know, the, 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 the Hebrews, they were, they were so, you know, angry that God delivered them and they were going to go out and die in the wilderness and God said, give them some water. And they gave him some water, and as water comes flowing out, there's a picture over here on my wall over here of a picture of the rock, you know, water flowing out of a rock. I I got that picture in Israel many years ago, and I thought, I had never envisioned the rock to be that big. I don't know about you. Take a look at it when you, you know, leave today. But I always pictured a rock like this big, you know, and there's water kind of trickling out. But how would that, you know, how would that quench the thirst of, Hundreds of thousands, if not a million people, you know, that would. That's a cool picture. And I hung it up. But here's the thing. God did that once, but then later on down the road, God said to Moses, Moses comes back and he's, he's, I'm frustrated at these guys. Lord, they keep denying you and they keep belly aching and complaining about being out in the desert and Lord, what do we do? And he goes, Moses, go and speak to the rock and it will bring forth water. All right, I'll do it. And he goes over to speak to the rock. But Moses allowed his frustration to take over. And he goes over and he says, must we provide water for you guys again? Here you guys go, you guys. And he strikes the rock with water and water comes gushing out. Now go drink. He starts walking away and the Lord says, Moses, come here. What? You disobeyed me. You misrepresented me. I told you to speak to the rock, not hit the rock. I believe that he destroyed a picture that God was was painting because his son would be stricken once and come flowing from him would come everlasting life and from that point on it would be seeking God's face not to to crucify Jesus all over again Jesus needed to be put to death one time stricken once that's it he doesn't have to go back to the cross to save more people he did it once and and Moses he he ruined that picture and Moses wasn't able to enter into the promised land of Canaan the physical promised land of Canaan, but he had to look at it from a distance as the children of Israel were going to go through. And Moses, he he died outside of the promise. He didn't get to go in. Why? Because he misrepresented the Lord. I don't want that to be of me. I don't want that to be of you. Don't be frustrated at Christians that struggle in their walk is what I'm trying to get to. Comfort them. Never get tired of going and saying, hey, 
the Lord loves you. (laughs) And reminding them why it is that and how it is that he demonstrated that love. God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners. What? Christ died for us to remind them and comfort people. We exhort your brethren, warn those who are unruly, unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Does that now make a little bit more sense? Don't, Don't be frustrated with people. Be Jesus to people. Get back to the basics, man. Get to the basics of the word of God. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Don't live selfishly. Live selflessly. Live for Christ. Seek others more highly. Deem others more highly than, esteem others more highly than yourself. You know, the picture of joy. You know, the the acronym of joy. Jesus, others, and then yourself. If you do that backwards, it's... It doesn't make sense. It's yaj. Doesn't happen, right? Joy and yaj doesn't make sense. Joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself third. And, and seek out their best. That's what God would have you to do and have me to do. Rejoice always. That's easy, huh? Rejoice always. How do I rejoice always when I'm going through a difficult time? Well, I can rejoice even in my difficulties. You can rejoice even in your difficulties. How? Because you know that God has a plan. Here's the thing. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? He says, oh, death, where is your sting? The, the point is, is that as a Christian, even death, we can rejoice. Because we have a hope. We have a future with the Lord. And so death is not the final answer. And so we can rejoice in all things. Now, there are those that say, uh, I rejoice in everything. And, and I've had this discussion with different people. Oh yeah, if I break my arm, I say, oh, pray Jesus, praise Jesus, you know? Some lady was walking around the, 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 the block after my mom passed away. And she was a Christian and part of a church, you know, um, here locally. Um, but, she came around and, and I knew she was Christians and she was a Christian and I had talked with her many, many times and she loved the Lord. But she was very uh, dogmatic on a few issues. And, and you know, she happened to come by and she was asking me, you know, how I was doing. I said, I'm kind of struggling a little bit right now. My mom passed away just recently and it, I, I was in the grieving time. I was in the, the hurting time. It was, a you know, I haven't gotten over it won't get over it, you know. I, I have hope. I know that my mom's in heaven. I can't wait to see her again. But it still hurts. But I can rejoice in it. The thing is, is that when I was talking to her, she said, don't mourn. Don't, don't, don't do any of that. She's, she, she's gone. She's lived her life. Move on. I'm like, are you? Are you serious? I mean, are, are we, am I having this discussion right now? I mean, serious? My, my mom passed away. Yeah, just don't, don't, don't mourn again. You're in sin if you're mourning. I'm going, yeah, I don't know that I agree with you, but. And she really just kept belaboring the point. 
that I shouldn't have any emotion that my mom passed away. Listen, you can mourn and rejoice at the same time. I know my mom's in heaven, but for goodness sakes, don't tell me not to mourn. That woman had a major impact upon my life. I wouldn't be here without her, you know? If nothing else, but she was far more than just giving me life. She gave me legs to stand on and, and directions to walk. And she loved the Lord and she pointed me in great directions, even in my very, very trialsome years. I miss her. Don't tell me not to mourn. It's okay to mourn, but it's okay to, re- you can rejoice in everything. Some person I had a conversation with a few years ago. Oh yeah, anytime anything bad happens, I just rejoice. I said, oh, I, I understand. She goes, I, if I break my arm, I just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, I, I don't know that that's what that means, but, you know, hey, thank you for me breaking my back. Thank you for me breaking my arm. Now, there is something to rejoice in, in knowing that God has a plan. Lord, this hurts. Ow, I wish I didn't have to break my arm. This hurts really bad. But you know what? I know you have a plan through it. I'm not going to praise, you know, Praise you, Jesus. I got in this bad accident and four people were dead. Praise you, Lord. Well, no, 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 no. Stop. Stop. Recognize what it is that you're rejoicing in the Lord for. You rejoice in for a future. You rejoice in for a hope. You rejoice in, in today. Yeah, God wants us to have joy today. But he doesn't want us to be zombies. He doesn't want, he doesn't want us to be raggedy and dolls, you know, with little pull strings on our back that say pre-programmed things. He wanted, he gave us emotion. He gave us the ability to communicate. But he also, as Christians, gave us the ability to look up and know that he has a plan. And doesn't, doesn't dismiss the heartache and the pain. He understands that heartache and pain. He understands the pain. Jesus, he wept as Lazarus was dead. Jesus was weeping there at the cross. He was sweating. He wept. He understood the dynamics of that day. He understood the emotion of that day. Don't just discount emotion. And don't, don't misuse your rejoicing and in, in that manner. But rejoice in the Lord always. There's always something to rejoice in, even in the midst of, of the difficulties. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you never communicate with people because you're always praying. That means when you start to pray for something, don't ever stop praying until God answers. That doesn't mean you're praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week for that specific thing. That's not what that's saying. It's saying pray without ceasing. When you begin to pray for someone, when you begin to pray for someone or something, continue to pray for it as the Lord leads you, as the Lord places it upon your heart. Continue to pray for that. Maybe you have a journal. Write it down. And as you go back to that journal, go back and pray for that specific item. Never stop praying for that until you get that answer. Pray without ceasing. That's what that means. Everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Prophecies is the foretelling of God's word even. Don't forsake that. I believe a, 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 a pastor and, and a teacher is, is a, a modern day prophet, if you will, in that he speaks forth the word of God. He speaks forth the word of God. It's not, it's, it's not that he is, you know, uh, I'm not telling the future. 
There's two ways of looking at prophecy. Prophecy in one manner is the foretelling of the future, but it's also foretelling of the word of God. It's professing God's word. It's speaking God's word, speaking into someone's life what God's word says. Don't don't forsake that. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from every evil. Paul just kind of quickly goes down a list. He says, here, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. What authority does Paul have? He's just going, man, I'm a Christian that loves Jesus. God's called me to follow him. And this is what I'm warning you guys about. And I'm trying to encourage you, have a walk like this. He says it in a couple different places, doesn't he? Hey, you want to know what it's like to follow Christ? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, I believe, and chapter 11, verse 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You want to know how to follow Christ? Follow me or do what I do, okay? And that means that I'm going to always seek God's face in the direction that I go. And then may, may God... May the God of peace himself sanctify you. That means changing you into his image more and more every day. May God of, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. He says, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I don't really know what a holy kiss is. I just know that it's not a kiss that makes anybody uncomfortable, okay? So, you know, don't come up and give me a kiss on the lips. That's not a holy kiss to me, okay? Uh, that happened to me one time and right in front of my wife, and it shocked me to no end. Some woman that went at Calvary Fort Lauderdale came up and gave me what she considered a holy kiss. And I'm like, what the heck was that? You know, my wife's like, what? She said, oh, I'm Italian. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, not to me. Let's not do that anymore, okay? That makes me uncomfortable. Just like it would make you uncomfortable if I came up and gave you a kiss like that. What's a holy kiss? I don't know. Just don't make somebody uncomfortable doing it, okay? Just don't make someone uncomfortable doing it. Um, I was uh, sitting with a couple of crews yesterday up in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. And uh, we had gotten... Philadelphia was socked in and we had to divert, uh, from, we were coming out of Stewart, New York to, to, uh, Philadelphia and we had to divert because the weather was so bad in Philadelphia. And so we landed in Scranton and we actually met up with another crew that was coming in from, um, uh, Newport News and they had to divert to Scranton also. And so we sat there and had lunch together and, and they were talking about, and, and I'm not into gossip and I, 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 it was one of those things that I, if I could have extricated myself, I would have, but I, I found it kind of humorous. They, they had a nickname for this guy in the company. His name is, they nicknamed him Johnny Bravo. I guess he looks like that. Said, oh yeah, he came up and he gave me a kiss. He gave me a kiss. One of the first officer's girls, she's a, you know, a, a former Apache helicopter pilot probably could kick his butt, you know, and, and, and here she goes, yeah, he came up and gave me a kiss and, and, and just was being really friendly with me. And I'm like, uh, uh, and, and the flight attendant said, yeah, he came up to me. And she's like, one of the flight attendants has been there for like ever in a day. And I was hoping she'd be here today because she actually lives in Sarasota, just found out out yesterday and, and I invited her to church and she says she's going to come. But, uh, 
She says she's gone to church one time in her whole life. She goes, I, I just don't really go to church. And I had an opportunity to witness the whole table yesterday. It was awesome. I don't have time to talk about that, but it was a really cool time. And the thing is, is that they are just pelted me with questions about what is a non-denominational church? I'm going, oh, well, yeah, what's the difference between that and an Episcopalian church and this and that and the other thing? And I just got the opportunity to talk about, hey, here's what we all do agree on. That God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross because man is sinners. And I got the opportunity to just lay out the gospel. And say, so we, I laid out the gospel and basically said, so that's kind of what we all agree on. And then we don't agree on some other peripheral items, but I got the opportunity to just present the gospel to him. But this girl, this, this lady, and she's probably in her late fifties. Um, she's one of our flight attendants. She, she said, and she has a mouth on her. Man, does she? I'm sorry to say, but she has a mouth like a sailor. And if, if you understand what I'm saying, she goes, I, I, somebody invited me to church and I, they kept bugging me and bugging me and I finally agreed to go. She said, but her friend said, you can't cuss at church though. And she goes, I just don't know how I'm going to talk without being able to cuss because she cusses all the time. And she says, do you know, can I call you Pastor Pilot Don? I said, yeah, that's cool. Do it. Yeah. Pastor Pilot Don, here's the thing. It was a miracle. I go, what was a miracle? She goes, I woke up that morning and I had laryngitis. I couldn't speak. So I went to church and I couldn't cuss. I couldn't cuss. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even say hi to anybody. She goes, that was a miracle, don't you think? I said, yeah, I guess so. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess. But come to my church. She goes, well, I don't want to have laryngitis again. I said, I'm not going to bother you when you're, you know, the language that you use. You just come to church. You just come to church. I'd love to see you here. And so I'd love to see her here. One day she'll be here. I don't know. And, and, uh, but, but here's the thing. She said, this guy, Johnny Bravo came up to her and, and got up to her hair and said, Hey, look at your hair. Look at your hair and started moving her his hands all through her hair. Ladies, what would happen if a guy did that to you? She, would it kind of creep you out? A guy just kind of coming up and just kind of touching your hair and running his fingers. Oh, look at your hair. Uh, yeah. A holy kiss. I don't know what it is. Just don't make someone uncomfortable. You know, the old side hug. Don't just, you know, be careful with gals and guys. We just live in a day and an age where things can go south really quick. It, you don't want to do that. Misrepresenting the Lord. Just love people, man. Love them as Jesus would love them. And, and, and be cool about it. Amen. That makes sense. Um, I, I, I like what Paul says here. And, and he says, uh, you know, I charge you by the Lord, uh, that this epistle would be read to all of the Holy Brother and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I just come two more things I want to say very quickly. And that is number one, I love Paul's writing, read this to everybody. There's not an exclusive club that, that the word of God is written to. It's written to you, it's written to me, it's written to all. One of the reason they call it dark ages is because the word of God was taken away from the, from the laity. It was taken away from you and I. We couldn't read it. Only, only the, 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 the you know, the, the teachers and the preachers were able to read it and then articulate to you what the Word of God said. And, and I think that that is a travesty. 
the word of God should be read, written, or it was written to you. It is to be read by you. It's to be read by me. It's for you to read. Open it up and read it. The second thing that I, that I look at here is, you know, going back into verse 23 and 24, that the God of peace would sanctify you, which is setting you apart, which is making you more into him on a day by day, that person that he wants you to be on a day by day basis, that he would sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. Know this, in and of your own strength, you can't live this Christian life. I can't live this Christian life apart from Christ. I have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to give me the ability to live the the life that Christ has for me. And you do too. So here's the thing, gang. As we lean on Christ, when we we fall back in the world, we're going to do stupid things. Come back to the Lord quick. Come back to the Lord. Confess it. Get back on the right path. Seek God's face. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you a direction. Allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to give you discernment and wisdom in what you say, how you say it, how you touch, how you keep your hands off of things, where you walk, where you shouldn't walk. It's not limiting. It's actually freeing. There are those that say, if I become a Christian... I will be limited in the things that I can do. I beg to differ. I say that if you become a Christian, if you walk the Christian life that God has for you, you will be free to live a true life that he designed you to live. And you will be filled if you do it in him. It says that he will be faithful to do it in you. You will never not be able to live this life. I just can't do it, Pastor Don. Yes, you can. Paul says, God's faithful. And he'll give you the ability to do it. He's faithful to do this in your life if you trust him. If I trust him, if we trust him, we can do this, gang. We can do this. We can live in these days. We can live in these perilous times. We can live in the contentious, you know, society that we live in. We can live in this contentious society that is looking down and hammering down on Christianity right now. Do not give up. Do not give up. Get in the word and stay in the word and live by the word. Not by a man, not by me, not by any. Live by what God's word says and trust him with your life. You'll never be sorry that you do. You'll never be sorry that you do. And you will be living the life that he has planned out for you. Does that make sense? Father, thank you so much for today. Now I've taken a little bit extra time today. Sorry about that, Lord. And thank you so much, so, so much for the patience of the people. My brothers and sisters in this room, I pray God that you would do this work in us. Help us, Lord, not to grow weary while doing good. Help us not to ever get tired of seeking your face and doing the right thing. Staying away from evil and magnetizing ourselves to righteousness where we're drawn to you. We're drawn to what it is that you want us to do. Give us the proper words to speak to the people around us. Give us faithful hearts that reach out and comfort those who need comfort. Give hope to those who need hope. Give help where those that need help. God, may we 
reach out and touch the world. Exactly the way that you would touch the world. That we would love people the way that you love people. We would interact with people the way that you would interact with people. We would minister to people the way that you would minister to people. God, that's why it is that you said it's to your advantage that I go away. For Lord, you were one, but when you went away, you sent your Holy Spirit to come inside and and to lead us and to guide us into all truth and to teach and to minister and to love in a huge manner because your Holy Spirit is now residing in all of us to go out and touch the world for you. And God, I pray that we may not touch the entire world, but God, may we touch the world that surrounds us. Maybe it's our home, maybe it's our work, maybe it's our grocery store, maybe it's our church. Maybe it's our friends that we go and visit. Maybe it's our neighborhood. Wherever it is, Lord, may we be used by you. God, do a work in us, God. I pray you give us, give us wisdom, give us direction, give us a light to follow, Lord, as we know you will. But then God, give us the boldness to follow you and to do it, knowing that you are going to give us the strength to do it. Help us to take a step out of the boat this year. Help us to take a step out of the boat today. Help us to trust you in our steps for the rest of this day. If it gets so scary, God, may we then pray, God, give me the ability to do it for five more minutes, to walk with you for five more minutes. God, help me to walk with you for one more minute. And then at the end of that minute, ask him for another and then another, and then another, and then learn how to walk in Him, that we would walk straight in Your path, Lord. I pray, God, that You would just bless our lives as we go about this week in front of us. God, use us. Use us, Lord, for You. May Jesus be seen in us. Lord, we love You. Thank You for calling us in this very perilous time giving us the ability and the chance to be lights in a very dark world. Now, Lord, let us go out and shine, shine bright in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com Or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.